just want to read in Luke 10. I know I've shared this quite a bit in, in this uh, in the church, but it's uh, very real to me because I think it's so easy to switch between the two, to go from a Mary to a Martha. And there's some things the Lord has shown me, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but as I look down at, at my, my Bible, it says this in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, listen, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So, according to verse 39, where were Mary and Martha? That's right. That's right, Shelley. They were both sitting at Jesus' feet. Right? Isn't that what it says? And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet. So she was in that position, right? She was seated at Jesus' feet, listening to his word. But what's the next part say? But Martha was distracted. You know, our butt will get in the way a lot of times. You know what? Martha wasn't present. She was there, but she wasn't present. And I am, and my mind's eye and my imagination if you will i can see them there i can see martha who whose heart was right in that she wanted to provide for the lord but she's sitting there she sees jesus in the house and jesus is teaching she knows he's been out he's been out teaching he's probably tired he's probably thirsty and instead of receiving what he was wanting to give she got distracted and started looking I should probably be doing something. I mean, this is Jesus. He's here. I should probably be doing something. Instead of doing what was most important, and that was spending time at the feet of Jesus. And I look at, in my own life and I go, man, I can look back and I can say there were times when I was there with Jesus and I felt like, man, I need to be doing something. And I got busy about doing something instead of being with someone. And then here's what happens. What follows with that is we get busy now doing something and then we get burnt out and we go, Jesus, don't you care? Look at what I'm doing. Look at what they're not doing. That's where it goes next. Once your attention gets on you and what you are doing, the next thing that it'll do, the distraction just goes further. It goes another step out. And then you quit looking at what all you're doing and what all they're not. And you know what happens next? Offense will come in. Bitterness will come in. I know it's not a shouting hallelujah message. I'm, I'm with you. I didn't even plan on sharing it. But I believe it's pertinent for the day that we live in. That it's so easy, especially in our culture, it's so easy to be somewhere and not be present. With your phone, you know, Brianna calls Tina the phone police now. Because when we're together, 
and I've, I've, let's say, I've drawn attention to it before, but didn't bring out the badge. Tina just brings the badge. She brings it. But I've, I've drawn attention to the fact that we can all be in the room. I've, I've looked before, almost took a, I think I did take a picture one time. We were sitting in the living room, and the phone police included. This was before she had a revelation. I'll sit in the living room, and I'm here, and Tina's here, and Tyler's here, and Brianna's here. And everybody's like this, in their phone, doing something. You know, they're chatting with their friends. Why, they're in the room with their family. And I go, we're here, but we're not together. And I'm telling you, that, it, and I'm not talking about texting. I'm not talking about Facebook, social media, Snapchat, any of that. I'm talking about the distractions, whatever it is that can pull us away from when we should be together. I think we get so used to being in a room and not being present that it's what's become familiar. So we do it at church, we do it at home, and we wonder why relationships aren't authentic. We wonder why uh, we, it just feels empty. It's because we aren't here. You know the old saying, the lights are on. Nobody's home. The lights are on, but no one's home. And I think it's sad that, because here's here's where I'm going, okay, and then I'm going to move on. Here's where I'm going. If we can become that way, that socially that's how we are in every environment, it's going to come into the church so that when we're in the church, Jesus is here and he's ministering, and you come in and you go, well, I, I, here's what I did, and here's what I, here's what I have to do. And then you begin to look at those in the room who aren't doing what you think you sh- they should be doing, and you're totally distracted. And Jesus came in, and what he had was what you needed. And it wasn't that, you didn't, that he didn't care. It was that you didn't know he was there. Because our life, I, I believe it's an, a, a subtlety of the enemy. I don't believe Facebook's of the enemy. I don't believe Internet's of the enemy. I don't believe TV's of the enemy. Just let all that be known. I'm not that guy, that extremist. But any good thing that gets exaggerated can become a bad thing. And how we can use all of these elements of social media to connect to the world and to connect to friends and to even reach them in a positive way. Those same things can become so distracting to us that we totally disconnect. And then we come to church and the same thing happens here. And, and here's why I say that. Not because I'm worried about you being on your phone or anything like that. It's because we'll, we'll come up upon a situation or circumstance and the first thought is, God, where are you? Why do I feel so alone? And it's because we have isolated ourselves in a room full of people. If... He said, if you don't love your brother who you see, don't tell me you'll love your God you can't see. Let me flip it a little. If you can't see your brother in the room with you, you won't see him when he comes in. If we can't see our family because we're here all the time, if we can't see what God is doing around us because we're here all the time, we won't see him when he comes in the room. When we choose to be present wherever we are, the value of that place to you 
goes up. When you choose to be present, if it's in a relationship, if it's at church, or if it's in your job, oh, yes, I'm going to touch it. Hallelujah. That when you choose to be present, your effectiveness goes up. Because now you don't just have a body in place. You're there and you're, you're functioning the way God created you to function. And you can bring honor to him and you can be more productive when you're present. And God wants us to be present in every area of our lives. So that was all free. Um, I've been talking about stewardship a lot and uh, haven't talked about money yet. (laughs) It's just pretty cool because the more I study it, that was one of the things I was going to talk about and we will. It's just stewarding every area of our lives. But the Lord just keeps highlighting stuff in this understanding. In Corinthians, he said, what's required of a steward is that he be found faithful. And um, one of the passages that I shared when I first started speaking about stewardship was 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, and we'll start in verse 7, but that's where I want to go. But as I, was, as I was praying into today's message last week, if you weren't here, it was amazing. The, the testimonies of our trip to the DR and what the Lord did there. And I've just pondered on that and even talked to Mel earlier in the week. And I told her, I said, one of the things I feel I'm going to share about Sunday is being present. Didn't know how I was going to do it. I had it in my notes, and all I had in my notes was bold, be present. (laughs) It's deep, right? Be present. And the Lord began to open things up to me and reveal things to me. And so I started reflecting on our trip to the DR. And I don't, if I shared this last week, just give me grace, because I don't remember if I did or not in this detail. But one of the things that, that really stuck out to me as I went back and looked at our, week, our trip to the DR is uh, a statement that I made, I know that I made last week, is about family. And I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, here's what was so powerful about our trip. I said, we prayed together. We played together. They played Uno. They played Dominican Dominoes. And they're serious. And when they play dominoes, they slap them down. They slap the dominoes down. But they played Dominican checkers. And yes, there's a big difference. Because when you get kinged, you can go anywhere from this side of the board to this side of the board. Even before you're kinged, you can move back and forth, can't you? I don't understand. I didn't even try to understand. Some did. And just got frustrated. (laughs) Awesome. Samuel. You go, Samuel. That's what we taught him. Win. Whatever it costs, win. I'm just kidding. But I was watching. And and as I looked around the room, they were were playing, whether it be Uno or whatever. They were talking. They were braiding hair, whatever. And and then when we went out into the streets, we ministered together and we were sitting there i don't know if it was to you joyce i said it to i can't remember we were sitting one night and i was watching everyone and my eyes just filled with tears because i said it it really is a family because it was after we had ministered to jose ramon and he had come in and he was there with us and he was no longer outside looking in he was inside watching everything he was a part of what was going on 
And, and I looked and I said, it really is a family. And so when we went out on the street to minister, there was a power available that I had never encountered before. And it wasn't because we had these big, powerful people, which we did and which we have on every trip. It was because we, as a body, did what the Bible says that we're to do in Ephesians, every joint supplying. And we didn't just do it when we had to do ministry. We spent time together at his feet. We prayed together. We played together. So when we went out to serve together, we didn't have to talk about unity. We didn't have to make unity a big thing about how important it is to keep unity. You know why? Because when you function in love with one another, unity happens. And it'll happen on a level that you can't make happen just by saying, we got to be unified. We got to agree on something. What's one thing we can agree on? The blood of Jesus. Okay, so we can agree on the blood of Jesus. Let's be unified. But as we learn to pray together and to play together, to love one another, as he says in Romans 12, and I love the New Living Translation. He said, don't just pretend to love, really love. Really love one another. And I I look back on that, and I've shared with a couple of people over this week that I can remember a year and a half ago, two years, God really highlighted to me the importance of family. Not my personal family. We, I've always made that a priority. When I was on staff at, an, at another church, and uh, it's a long, long story. I had pastored a church, and I, I stepped away from that church and joined to be the associate pastor of another church. And when I did, I was talking to the pastor, and I said, here's one thing you got to know me coming in, is that I have one daughter, I said, uh, she's in, I think, I don't know if she was, I think she's still in elementary school. I said, I will be present in her life. I said, so if that's an issue, we need to discuss it now because she gets out of school at three o'clock and she was going to a, a Burlington Christian Academy. She gets out of school. I'm going to pick her up. I said, I'll bring her back to the church and I'll, I'll work until whatever time you say we need to be working to, but I'm going to go pick her up. She's a cheerleader. She's going to cheer at games. When she cheers, I'm going to be there. Those games are like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be present. It's funny. I, I've shared the testimony before. I would be in the stands yelling, watching a game, and somebody would look over Dad say, who's, who's your son playing? Football game. No, that's my daughter cheering. <laughs> I guess get a little caught up in the moment. I was present. But I told them, I said, here's something you need to know. She's only going to grow up one time. She's not going to do it with the MIA dad. Ministry is not more important than the one shot I have with my daughter. I will not be MIA. And it was good. But it was because we discussed it up front. And and I was there. And and Tina was there. She was cheering. And, you know, there were times that she would cheer. She cheered in competition. She'd be away on the weekends and I couldn't be there. Uh, for the whole weekend, but for the most part, if she was involved in something, I was there. Because I wanted to be present in her life. I wanted it not to look back and, and go, man, I shoulda, coulda, woulda, or woulda, coulda, shoulda, but to be present. And so I understood with her that I wasn't going to do everything right, but if I was present, I could at least say, hey, I was wrong. And I did that on more than one occasion. When I responded wrongly, I would sit down with her and I would say, I want to apologize to you, Brianna. 
because I didn't handle that right. So I understood the importance of being present in a family, and I understood the importance of priority in family. And I think sometimes we don't understand it in church because we don't see each other as family. We see, well, those church members that I go to church with, but we don't see each other as family. And because of that, God very much sees us that way. And because of that, I think there's an element of power missing in the church that we can pray and fast for and declare and decree, and we won't see if we don't function like he's told us to function. So I'm talking about stewarding the family. I'm talking about stewarding the family to where uh, I sometimes prefer others before myself. I know, this is one of those you're really excited about. That's why I didn't send out an email about what it was going to be about. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. This is the New King James Version. But the end of all things is at hand. <laughs> I mean, I think about that. Peter writing this 2,000 years ago, saying the end of all things is at hand. <laughs> I think it's still a pretty relevant word for us. If he felt that what he was seeing then, saying, man, it's, it, the end is here, how much more now? I'm not doom and gloom. I don't know when he's coming. I know he's coming. I don't know when he's coming. But Peter said this, the end of all things is at hand. And he made that statement for a reason. So he continues and he says this, therefore. I heard a preacher say one time, when you see therefore in the Bible, you need to look in front of it and see what it's there for. (laughs) He said, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, what did he say? Be serious and watchful in your prayers. You know what I think he's saying there? Be present when you pray. Be present. Don't just throw the, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good bread, good meat, getting late, let's eat. He said, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Listen to this. Look, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. (laughs) I'm telling you, I've been in church a long time. And I've yet to see a community of believers with fervent love for one another as a majority. I'm not saying there isn't minorities inside of a, a group that have fervent love for one another that says, man, I'm here. You need me, call me. I'll be there. And not just that, that they show it because when they're with them, they're present. Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift. Listen to this. Come on, somebody. As each one has received a gift. So does each one have a gift? What do we do with a gift? A gift makes room for me. That's what Proverbs says. And it brings me before great people. So the gift, therefore, must be for me if it's going to bring me before great people. No. He said, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards. He said, as each one has received a gift, there's something we're supposed to do with that gift. You know what it is? Minister it to one another. 
So my gift isn't for me just to make room for me, to make me feel good so that I can use my gift to bless others. (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. He said, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of what? Of the manifold grace of God. So he says here, verse 8 first, above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And as you look at this, some of the translations literally means this. If you have a brother who needs a place to stay, bring him in. And don't be murmuring about it. Wow. He didn't just say be nice to them when they show up in, uh, in the room with you. He's saying if they have a need that you can supply, you should supply it and be excited about it. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Listen, if anyone speaks... See, I think these are all building... I think they're building blocks that build on top of each other because if we don't first have fervent love for one another, we won't be hospitable. And if we're not hospitable, we won't minister our gift to one another. Okay, I'm believing you're here. You're present. You're, you're pondering. You're soaking it in. You'll minister to one another as good what? Steward. So here again, we have to understand that stewardship has much more to do than with money. It has to do with our life. Everything that God has entrusted us, the breath in our bodies, the gifts that he's placed in us that we didn't work for. That's the beauty of a gift. You don't work to get it. It's, it's received. And he said, we minister that out of, the manifold, out of the manifold grace of God. And then from there, he says this, and, and I believe it. I believe as we understand and have his fervent love, the love that he has for us, as we endeavor to have that for one another, and we minister out of our gifts to one another, I believe then that when you stand, if anyone speaks, verse 11, let him speak, speak as the oracles of God. What are you saying? I'm saying this. When you purpose in your life to be present, when you purpose in your life to have fervent love for one another, that, that, means that, you, that doesn't mean that you love the ones that are lovely. It means that I have fervent love for the, those who call themselves. He said, do good to all, but especially to those who are the household of faith. So as I'm intentional and fervent in my love, saying, I won't let it. You know what fervent is? Fervent's fanned. Fervent's something I'm working to build, to, 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 uh, to strengthen, to heighten. That's what fervent love is. It's not just satisfied with how things are right now. It means I'm still pursuing in love. With my wife, it would be Friday. It would be 27 years. 27 years that we've been together. And it's not, oh, man, it feels like a lifetime. No, it feels like just the other day. Because you know why? Because I've been intentional. I haven't been perfect. And that's the beauty of fervent love. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're intentional. And it means that a mistake won't cause you to quit. I've been intentional in pursuing her since I finally got her to say yes. She pursued me first, and then she flipped the script on me, and I pursued her. 
And that's when she said yes. That sounds good coming out my mouth. But I've been intentional in pursuing a love relationship with her, not just expecting it to be there because we've been together for a long time. I've been intentional, and, and I've, I stir up that love on the inside of me, and I demonstrate that love to her. And because of that, it's not a works thing. Please hear me out. It's not, I have to do all this before I can do this. No, it's not that. I believe as we do those, and those are a part of our life, when we get to this place, when it's, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. So what he's saying is, when you speak, if you know God's gifted you to speak, when you speak, you don't go, man, I hope it's okay. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but when you speak, you go, man, I know God put this word in me. It's not me. It's him sharing it through me. I'm stewarding the vessel that he's given me to deliver what he wants people to have. So when I speak, I can speak as the oracles of God. Not that I am God, but I'm his son. And I'm endeavoring to look more like him every day. So when I share, I share the oracles. He said, if anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If he ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Come on. We were Tuesday, Thursday night training for Only Believe, which is this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I've got flyers that you're going to take when you leave. In Jesus' name, I love you. Amen. Ben's got more. And we were, <laughs> you got a stack too. When we, were, when we were talking about it, Ben said this. Give yourself permission to believe that anything's possible when you pray for people. Give yourself permission to believe that anything is possible when you pray for people. You know how I, I believe that we can have that confidence? Is if we have fervent love first for him. And we have fervent love for the ones that we're praying for. That we're not looking for a testimony. We're not looking for an opportunity for my gift to make room for me. What I'm doing is I'm ministering from love to God and love for for them. I'm ministering out of that. And so as I do, I'm not doing it out of Todd. I'm doing it from what God has given me. So there's a couple of things that happen, the dynamics that are so beautiful in that. One, my responsibility is obedience. The results are his because I'm just ministering out of what he had. Here's the other dynamic that's so beautiful. I can grow in that gift the more that I use it. The more that I develop it, the more I can grow in it, the more sensitive I can become to it. Are you with me? Whether it be hearing the word of the voice of the Lord for a prophetic word to give someone a word of encouragement or something like that. The more that I'm willing to step out in risk and obedience in fervent love, not because I want a gift that I can give, but because I have a savior who gave so that I can give. And when I minister from that place, it's not, I'm not looking for a testimony. When we went out on the streets in Dominican, what was so beautiful is it wasn't, well, I, I want to go pray for this person so it'll stir the team up. We moved as a team and each person who was obedient to step out. It was so, pray- I remember one, I think the second place that we went, second, third place we went, it was a family. And uh, Corey had on his list for family, for unity in a family and stuff like that. And I, I have, I, I've been on 
a few trips to the DR, and we've taken teams for about six years now. And I've seen when you, when you put someone on the spot and you say, hey, I want you to pray, I've seen people go, <laughs> he's talking to you. He's not talking to me, talking to you. Because they didn't feel worthy or able. But because we had prayed together, because we had played together, when the time came, we walked up that house. Stephen looked at Corey and he said, Corey, you had family and you had unity. Come up here and pray. Corey walked right up to the front, put his hand on the man and started praying. I stepped back with my eyes open. And I said, Jesus, you're beautiful. This is amazing. Here's Corey. Is he 18? 18 years old. Just stepped right up and stepped into. You know what he did? He ministered out the gift, not as unto man, but as unto the Lord. And there was a power there. There was a unity that came because he was willing to minister out of what God had put in him and minister it as God had told him to minister. He said, if you speak, speak as the oracles of God. If you minister, let him do it with the ability that God supplies. Why? Why? Why do we need to do this? That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He said, when we choose to have fervent love for one another, and you know what? It's a choice. It's not going to come through a warm fuzzy. It's a choice. And here's the reality. I, I won't ever forget. I don't know the, name, the, the lady's name, but she's involved with Hillsong Church out of Australia. No, it's not the worship leader. It's a lady who travels and speaks some with them. Probably, probably Christine Kane. That sounds familiar. But she talked about this. She talked about as she travels and speaks, people come up to her and they'll talk to her about, you know, well, I was in this church and and then we had this issue. So I've just been looking for the place the Lord wants me. She said, I made a decision a long time ago that God had put me in a family and every family has issues. And I choose that I'm going to stick with my family because I know God put me there and that I'll work through the issues. Is that her? That's strong. Christine Kane. And I thought, you know why? You know why? Because she understands the value of family and relationship. That I'm willing to pay a price to stay here, to steward what God has given me. Does God move us? Absolutely. Are there people here who've been hurt and come here? Absolutely. Do you have to go back where you were? Lord, I hope not. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was just a moment of flesh. No, but what you have to do is release them. Because if you don't, they will always be between you and him. They will always be between you and him. Have I been hurt in church? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what hurts the worst? Because you're open the most. You're more vulnerable there than anywhere. And you feel like you can be. I've been hurt in church. And if I had my eyes on men, I'd have quit a long time ago. But what I had to do when God would close the door, 
What I had to do is make sure that I still had love for them. And you know how you have love for them? If you can still pray, God bless them. If you say, God bless them, and it feels like you're going to throw up. (laughs) Thank you for laughing. If you pray, God bless them, it feels like you're sick to your stomach. There's still something in you that needs to be let go of. Hear me out. That doesn't mean you have to go to them. Okay, I've seen people do that. I've seen God work something in someone's heart, and it's been years down the road, and they go to this person they felt like they needed to go to, and that's between them and Jesus. But what they do is tore open a wound that had healed. Maybe there was a scab there that said something happened, but they tore a wound open so they could feel better, and it didn't make it better. It made it worse, and it reopened a wound. What, that, what I mean by you've got to release is you go to the Lord, and you go, Lord, you know, if you tell me to go, I'll go, but I don't feel obligated to go. What I feel obligated to do is to pray for them, to release them, and to let that go. That's how you steward family. That's what you have to do in family. There's not a family in this room that you, where you share blood, that you've got it all together, and there's no issues, and there never is, and there never will be. That's not a reality. Every one of us have families that we have to steward, natural families that we have to steward. And you can't teach them, treat them all the same. I have one daughter. I don't have other children that I have to do that with. But I have family members in my family, uh, extended families that goes out, that I have to steward with his love toward them. And he's, as I've been praying in this and studying this, there's been some that he's highlighted that just to be honest, maybe I don't need to be honest. (laughs) Those that, and maybe you're more spiritual than me, that through the time, process of time, they work their way out of your life and it's just easier that way? There's some that God's highlighted. And I'm not saying I'm going to go through my family tree and shake it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that the ones that the Lord highlights, he says, yep, you need to reach out to them. Not because I did anything wrong, but because there's something that I have in me that I can release there. They can bring healing to them. Whether they admit it or not, they can be free. So I haven't gone on a hunt through my family tree, but I have said this, God, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to stand and talk about stewarding our family and stewarding life and and bring it all in the context of church and not being willing to open myself up to your spirit to say, God, what what do I need to do? that I can steward this authentic love that you've placed in my heart. Because as I said, Jesus said, how how can you tell me you love God that you can't see when you don't love those around you that you do see? I I was reminded, and I I was this close. Can you see how close that is? I was that close to doing this. But I was like, Lord, that was another man's word, and I'm not sure it's that word for me. But I read of a man... Who, who stood up in the pulpit. He had been praying. He had been talking about the church and the family in the church. And he, he stood up and he said, love one another as I have loved you. And he sat down and said nothing else. And some of his leaders 
He didn't clear it with his leadership team. Some of his leaders said, what are you doing? You're supposed to preach. He said, I did. So he stood back up graciously and he said, I can't move forward until we can do this. Because any, any step forward, all we become is religious. We don't become spiritual. When we know a truth that we won't walk out, we've moved from spiritual to religious. And he said, he said again, love one another as I have loved you. And he sat down. And I think for that service, it was like 20 or 30 minutes. And the Spirit of God moved in the room. And people who had ought against other people went to people. And he said, they're, they're, you begin to hear it little by little until the altar was full. I'm not after that, okay? That's why I didn't do it. I'm not after that. But I know if we're going to steward family, we've got to walk through difficult doors. Thanks, Dad. And he said, love one another as I've loved you. And he sat down. And a spirit of repentance hit that church. And that church exploded in a good way. You know why? Because they had fervent love for one another. And they quit allowing disappointments and discouragements. Because they're going to happen. Listen, the reality is that read Psalms. Just read Psalms. Okay, read Psalms. David, a man after God on heart. God, you're the one. You're my king. There's nothing like you. You're a strong time to run into you. God, where are you? What's going on? I mean, I've prayed and I don't hear anything. Then next he goes over here. Lord, you're my righteous judge and you'll defend me and no weapon formed together. You know what that was? That was David doing life. He wasn't schizophrenic. It was just David pinning, riding out. Man, here's the realities of emotion that I can deal with in a, in a season. And that's a, real, that's a real world. It's not a faith declaration you need to start making. Well, the whole world's closing in on me, Jesus, and there's none with me. I'm alone. And if you don't hurry up and show up, we're going to die. But we go down together in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not a declaration for you to make. Is everybody with me on that? Don't want to leave anybody there in the desert. I want everybody to come with me. We're not parking there. That was just a statement. But fervent love. John 17, I'll close with this. John 17, 20 through 23. Verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but for those also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that you know the grid that this message came from. I was in the DR and I was wrecked by how I saw the presence of the Lord. I saw the presence of the Lord when we stood and asked a man who was in all intents and purposes on the outside looking in, uh, not a part of any family because his own family wants him off the land that he lives on, rejected by the town he lives in, even pretty much by the church he was beside, not rejected, just somewhat ignored. And we sat in a circle around a man who's been blind and said, I think that you, Jose Ramon, are supposed to pray for him and to see Jose Ramon go. I agree. And to sit there for 15 minutes Maybe longer. I don't know. I wasn't watching a watch. 
And Jose Ramon, watch Jose Ramon. I have my hand on his shoulder. And I'm not about feelings, but I believe that the God who created feelings is not afraid of feelings. I had my hand on his shoulder and it was like I had grabbed an iron. It was hot. And he, his eyes were fixed. He wasn't scared. He wasn't worried. His eyes were fixed. And in that 15 minutes of silence, the presence of the Lord was so thick in a room, it was tangible. It was t- and no one was saying anything. Jose Ramon, who knew he was supposed to pray, he wasn't talking. But I looked at a group of people who were a family and he, a man who's now part of a family. And the Lord was there so strong in that moment that it was literally like when the Lord told Moses, take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. That's what it felt like. We've had moments like that in the DR when I think it was our first year that we went down in the, in the conference room when the presence of the Lord came in. And our young people just, I mean, they were snotting. The presence of the Lord came in so thick. People were repenting. Kids were being filled with the Holy Spirit. There were people from other groups from New York who heard something was going on in the room. And they, brought, they went up and got people and brought them down. They came in the room and immediately the presence of the Lord hit them. They began to weep. But it wasn't any sweeter than this moment when no one was saying anything but the presence of the Lord was in the room. And it wasn't because there was a dynamic speaker getting ready to deliver something. It was because we were a family and we were making room for Holy Spirit. And I said, Lord, that's not limited to the Dominican Republic. It's not limited to just this one service. This is what you want for us. This should be the standard way of living. How can I know that? Because John 17 says it right here, that they will be one as we are one so that the world will know. My biggest desire is the church to awaken, to love one another again, to the reality of who Jesus Christ really is in them and through them. And when we encounter that, we'll have more revival than we know what to do with. All the churches in this area won't be able to hold the people when the body of Christ, not if, when, the body of Christ awakens to love, to love one another, and to demonstrate who he is. Isn't that what I read in 1 Peter? That you have fervent love for one another, and then you minister the gifts that I've given you. Just dream with me for a second. What's that going to look like when the church of the living God awakens to who they really are in identity, that they are loved, and Ephesians 1 says they are accepted in the beloved. So there's nothing they have to do to gain his love. They are loved, and they begin to love one another because they see that he really is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they begin to love one another and minister to one another. It says the world is going to know that Jesus is Lord. And I believe spontaneous miracles are going to take place everywhere. Because when you study the scriptures, the miracles, signs, and wonders were for the unbeliever. Let the king of my heart be 